0: Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of the Colab. We are a collective of brand professionals sharing our career stories. Every week we pair up two members and they interview each other so you'll get to hear one episode this week and one next week. You can join us too. Sign up at jointhecolab.com and then tell your story. Hi everyone. Welcome to the CoLab Career Stories podcast. My name is Andrea Pasquale, and I'm a brand designer and fashion brand owner and designer in Toronto. Today, I'm speaking with Julian Randall, a fashion writer and PhD student in Manchester. Hey, Julian. So good to meet you. I'm so excited to talk to you about your journey today. Can we start from the beginning? Where did you grow up, and how did that lead you to where you are today in Manchester?
1: Yeah, first of all, hi. I'm happy to be here. So I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and for high school, I went to the Booker T. Washington High School for the Performing of Visual Arts, where I did music. At that point, I'd done percussion for about six years. And after that, I studied at Texas Tech University, which is in West Texas. Majored in advertising. I did a minor in global comms, and then I decided to go to grad school, prolonged school for another five years. And I had an opportunity to study here at the Manchester Fashion Institute. I got a fellowship through the UK government, and that's how I got to the UK.
0: Wow. So did you always know that you would move out of your hometown and end up in Manchester?
1: I always had aspirations to leave Texas, but if I'm honest, I didn't know that I would get to the UK. It's funny you ask because this morning I actually was reflecting about how I ended up here in from a very early age, I always had like this affinity for British culture, like most Americans. I was watching 101 Dalmatians and which is, I always loved the UK. And so it's actually kind of a full circle moment that I'm here, but I'm happy. The best thing about living in England is that Europe is so close. I will say that because the States is so big that you can fly three hours, drive six hours and still be in the States, but I can be in Paris and 45 minutes to an hour. Or so,
0: can I ask why you chose to focus on fashion writing?
1: I've always written. So, I've gone through phases of having blogs. At one point, I had a, a blog called Threads in a Jar, which I was tying in fashion with my initials. That's back when we had uh, Tumblr. Uh, so, I'd done that in undergrad. I wrote for a few student publications. I've contributed to a few, you know, blogs that boutique PR firms have and things like that. But I never really considered fashion writing as a career. It always was kind of a hobby. And I still don't really consider it a career. It's just something that I do as an extension of my academic work. But I've always been very observant and reflective, like how people dress, fashion culture, different kind of intersections with fashion and interiors and art and objects and things like that. And so it feels like the most, I guess, natural pursuit, to be honest. And it pairs well with my academic work because I can take what I'm reading and researching in my everyday and weave that into more, I guess, I don't know, palatable work for broader audiences.
0: I'm actually super inspired by your writings. I read what you wrote. I've, I'm a big fan. I I read what you wrote about luxury, and I saw that you had that talk about Buster Rhymes and his style, and even what you wrote about Little Kim and how do you even you come up to those ideas? And like what inspires you to take such a detailed approach based on culture and music? How do you, like the little Kim one, I was like, whoa, that's something. And, I, and I'd never seen anyone study Buster Rhymes before in his style. So what inspires that?
1: I think it has a lot to do with my upbringing. So growing up, I was always listening to hip hop, but I never made the connections between hip hop and fashion. And so I think it was around my second year of my master's program when I was moving away from being critical of the editorial world to making these connections between the very longstanding relationship that rappers have, that hip-hop artists have with the luxury sector. And I just found that there were a lot of missing narratives within that relationship or detailing it. And so I just started doing my own personal research. It's really one of my passions, and I think that's why. Even when I'm not doing stuff for my thesis, I'm like, what histories can I uncover or explicate in a way that hasn't been done before? So I think it's, I'm a hip hop head and I love fashion, to be honest. (laughs) So any opportunity that I can make those. And it's also part of my work looks at Black consumer culture, specifically in luxury. And hip hop has really been a vehicle for that to occur. So I think also... The nature of my research demands that I engage with that relationship to some extent.
0: Love that. What is your definition of luxury?
1: That's a good question. A loaded one, actually. (laughs) I think the fact that you're asking me the question really signifies how consumers are defining luxury for themselves in a way that we haven't before. So with that said, my definition of luxury is... I think for me, I'll give you two distinct qualities for me that that luxury needs. And I think it's an idea or an object that is of a fine quality or developed. I think that is necessary for something to be considered luxurious for me, as well as the personal element. So it needs to be something that not only is that that meets these, I guess, material or technical qualities of luxury, but it needs to be something that I can indulge in, and that is an expression of my own style or taste. So I say it's a combination of those two things. Kind of a roundabout way of answering your question, but I hope that was sufficient.
0: Do you have a dream publication or media outlet where you'd love to see your writings?
1: Yeah. So for the longest, and still to some extent today, I would love to write for GQ because I study men's fashion, and that is the men's fashion publication, at least in the mainstream. But recently, I think because of my scholarly work and the way that I'm engaging with these subjects from a more critical lens that lends itself more to like maybe the Washington Post or the New York Times or a paper like that where I can be more free in my speech. Because obviously with fashion magazines and publications, there's the advertiser conflict, right, that often arises where you can't be as critical as you would like to be. So that's a recent development in my career aspirations and that I would like to write for like a a major paper. And also it's cool that I think in editorial period that you can be at the fashion desk, but you're also sitting next to people who are doing stuff in culture and art and travel. And that just, I think all of that is what makes fashion such a fascinating industry to be in and for me, a subject to study.
0: Truly, it truly does. So where do you see... The future of luxury fashion, specifically men's fashion, like where do you see that going?
1: That's a really interesting question because men's fashion tends to historically develop in increments. It's a bit slower than, than women's wear or women's fashion. But I, I, think, I think we're going to see more of, or at least I hope we'll see, more men... I mean, we we're currently adopting some elements of of women's fashion or clothes dress, but I think we'll see men consuming luxury in a way that not only is like is, is traditional and I guess what currently is like quiet luxury, but also this like fusion of that with like streetwear and street culture. I think I think there's gonna be a a, a much closer relationship between those two. And right now they sit as more or less separate entities. So I think there's there's a possibility for those to come together. And that's actually what I'm hoping Pharrell will bring to, to Louis Vuitton. Because I, I mean, I think part of why his appointment was so contentious is that a lot of people were saying that we need to move away from streetwear, that this idea that streetwear is something that needs to be we're in a post-Streetwear era, but I, I don't think, I think if that's such a dynamic landscape that there's so many ways that you can interpret that. And so that's not only what I'm hoping Pharrell will bring to Louis Vuitton, but also something that I hope we'll see in men's fashion culture.
0: I'm looking forward to that for sure. Excited.
1: Yeah, me too. I was really I was really excited when, when I heard that appointment.
0: So getting back to your journey, what are you most proud of so far?
1: Wow. What am I most proud of? I think to date, I'm, um, which I've only recently thought about, is my decision to move to the UK and to be in my, this was my dream PhD program, to be honest. So much so that I like, when I applied, I forgot about it because I was like, that's so far fetched. But the fact that I did move here and I won a fellowship that's allowing me to be paid to do my PhD, which is really nice, I think that's what I'm, the most proud of not only professionally but personally because that takes a lot of bravery and frankly commitment to do something like this. I mean I before I had applied I'd been working on my application and reading on my topic for six months to a year. So it's nice to see that my efforts paid off.
0: It's amazing.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: I'm super excited for you.
1: I've been enjoying it and having a good time and I get a lot of a lot of support here. So it's nice.
0: Is there anything you do differently?
1: While I do believe that every job that I've had, every opportunity has led me to this point and contributed to my, I guess, quote unquote, success in one way or another, I think going back to what I was saying earlier, had I known that having a a career as a writer researcher was something that I could do, I would have committed to that a lot earlier because before I came into the program, Or started like writing in a formal way. I had done like luxury retail sales and done marketing for a few small luxury retailers. And while that definitely does allow me to have a more informed opinion and approach to my writing and research, I think my ideas might be a bit more developed had I decided to commit to it a bit earlier. But then again, I also think that timing is everything and everything is intentional. Yeah.
0: I agree. So what's next for Julian Randall? What do you foresee after your PhD?
1: Oh man, in the short term, finishing my thesis so that I can actually get the PhD because it is a, a long and, and tedious process. As much as I'm enjoying it, it is a lot. So that's my immediate goal. But after that, I'm really open. Ideally, it would be some combination of continuing my writing as a, in fashion Specifically focusing on luxury, menswear, and the American perspective. Specifically, I think that is, has really been missing in fashion scholarship. So hopefully, I'll be able to kind of contribute to the body of knowledge and fashion studies in that way. But yeah, I, ideally, I'd like to be like writing for a publication alongside writing books about fashion.
0: And outside of fashion, this is my last question. Outside of fashion, what else do you enjoy?
1: Well, I love traveling. I'll say that, (laughs) especially since I am in the UK now, like I said, I can travel very easily to Europe. So yeah, traveling, I love trying new restaurants. I'm definitely a foodie. So any new place that's popping up in Manchester, I'm the first one to be there. I'm a compulsive book buyer. I go on these book buying sprees, especially if I'm like up and I can't sleep and I'll just buy like five to 10 books at a time and... I maybe read half of them, (laughs) to be honest, but I would say those are my, the main things that I do outside of school and work.
0: Can I ask one more thing? What do you think is the essential hero piece in any man's wardrobe? What does that need to be? Like, what do you think they should have in their wardrobe that's
1: essential? That's a good question. That's a, and I almost don't want to answer it because so much of like men's fashion content, whether it's in publications or social media, is like these are the three suits you need to have. Right? I'll approach that question from more subjectively. I really don't think you can go wrong with a good loafer, like a, a black or brown penny loafer. I think is good because you can you can wear it with jeans. It looks good with sweats. You can. It's a very transitional footwear, so I'd say that. But I also, like, I'm a, I'm a loafer-obsessed guy, so of course I'm going to say a loafer. But, I mean, other things, like, I guess a navy blazer, I think, is great. Specifically for me, because I like to wear band tees and sometimes, like, loud colors. The navy tones everything down. So if I had to choose two, I would say those two, but definitely a penny loafer.
0: People need to get their loafer game up now <laughs> after hearing this from you.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm actually wearing some today. My favorite pair.
0: Nice. I'm so happy we got to talk today. I really appreciate your time and I really appreciate getting to know you and learning about your journey.
1: Thank you, Andrea. This was great.
0: Thanks so much for being here for the CoLab Career Stories podcast. Please follow us on social media at Join the Collab. And sign up to become a member and share your story at jointhecollab.com.